Okay, so picture the scene. I'm in this ballroom in the brand new, shiny, impossibly opulent Four Seasons Hotel in Seoul, uh, South Korea. And in front of me is a giant projector showing a live board game in progress. And on one side of this projector is Lee Sedol, who is one of the greatest Go players of all time. On the other, it's a Google employee taking orders from computer. The context here is that computers have never been able to beat world-class human Go players before. And now, so I'm, I'm not an expert on high-level Go strategy. I know the basic rules, but that's about it. Um, but there was this one move uh, in the second game, and it just totally stunned this room. Uh, I was surrounded by Go experts, and they had they had no idea what was happening, and neither did Lisa Dell. He, uh, he just looked completely baffled. Uh, he stepped up, he left the room for about 15 minutes, he came back, and he just didn't know what to do. What was happening in this room was the realization that artificial intelligence has the capability to kind of redefine our knowledge or everything that we thought we knew about something that we considered totally human until now. It, 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 was, it was the realization that, you know, at some point, computers can outwit human beings. And to be among all these people uh, coming to this realization at that time, it, it was a really kind of profound moment because it, it just goes to show that you can study everything as a human all your life. But, you know, at some point, the sort of the power of computers is, is going to catch up with you. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Sam Byford, news editor at TheVerge.com. How are you doing? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well, because we're talking about artificial intelligence, and anyone who has listened to this show for more than three episodes knows I have a soft spot for the film AI, but we're going to get to that later. Can't wait. And we're going to really talk about it. <laughs> Even though I don't think you've seen the movie. I have not, but I, I am dying to hear more. Even better. Uh, but before we get there, top level, what is artificial intelligence? Well, uh, artificial intelligence, or AI, as as the movie is named. Um, <laughs> it, it's a broad term, but it's, uh, it's basically about giving computers the ability to uh, think and solve problems and do computer things in, in a human-like way. So, you know, of course, computers are really good at maths and number crunching, that sort of thing. Everything comes down to ones and zeros. Um, but they're not often naturally able to solve the kind of problems that require, you know, human-style thinking and intuition. So AI is about using a bunch of techniques to help them achieve that. Like, the, the basic premise is that it's possible to replicate and simulate the human mind to a certain degree and you know in the long run maybe completely simulate it so i i can picture like uh terminator or if if you will if you will the film ai uh a small boy uh in the role of a pinocchio uh robot who who becomes a human in, in some capacity we'll get to that later uh but what were the earliest forms of artificial intelligence like so the field kind of goes back to something called the theory of computation in the 50s and 60s. Um, Alan Turing was a big pioneer here. Uh, 
you may know Alan Turing as Benedict Cumberbatch from The Imitation Game. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a lot of people also know him through the Turing test, which is a really famous AI problem. Uh, it's a standard for defining as a machine as intelligence or not based on whether it can hold a conversation with a human and convince the human into believing that the computer itself is real. And so, yeah, so... Th- you know, this goes back a long time. Turing developed this test in 1950. He thought that machines would be able to pass it by the year 2000 or so. So this was very like early research level stuff. Um, it kind of hasn't happened yet, as you may have noticed. <laughs> there, there was kind of a controversy a couple of years back with this chatbot called Eugene, which was claimed to have passed the Turing test, but um, it was pretending to be a 13-year-old writing in a second language, which I think is kind of cheating. Um, but the, 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 the point is that people view AI subjectively, right? Like, it, there's never going to be one moment at which the Turing test is passed. It's, it's like, it, it, it's more of a tipping point where computers will be able to, you know, like, convince humans that they are real. And we are, you know, not at that point yet. So this is all research from the 50s. So early types of practical AI were focused around things like, you know, making good, computer opponents for the game of checkers you know like stringing basic english sentences together that kind of thing it was it was very much based on research um a lot of it was funded by the u.s department of defense as is often the case with uh, early forms of technology um it kind of the research sort of died down a bit in the 1970s but then in the 80s um it had a bit of a revival with something called expert systems, which were like standalone AI computers with really specific usages, you know, designed to solve specific problems. So some of these found use in healthcare. Um, NASA used some for certain things like mission control and so on. And then things died down a bit in the 90s, but you started to see some some stuff maturing and coming out through video games, of all things, which is um, a connection that we can draw to AlphaGo and current research in later in the the episode I mentioned. Yeah, I mean that that is what's fascinating about AI to me. As someone who obviously cares a lot about video games, has uh, had my eye on them for a long time, AI design has always felt important, but it feels like in recent years it has gotten outside of the world of video games and that people I don't want to say more important people, but I will say more <laughs> important people no, uh, right. are, are caring about it. Uh, and the example that I'll give is Mark Zuckerberg has said that he has plans this year to focus on designing AI. Uh, so I, I'm curious why you think, and maybe I'm wrong here, but why AI is kind of trending in this moment. Yeah, so to talk about video games, like it, it I mean... AI is the first. The first time I ever heard the term AI was in a video game. Uh, like I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Star Wars: Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight, but uh, <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, how could I not be? <laughs> but that 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 had a cheat code, which was uh, you know, cheat codes are the things that now you pay EA like three bucks to unlock, but they used to be <laughs> they they used to be free. And you would type in a thing, and there was a thing that appeared on the top of the screen. It was AI on, AI off, and I was like, honestly, I was like. 11 years old and I thought it said Al I was like who's this guy Al why am I why does turning turning Al off make the stormtroopers stop moving (laughs) so yeah like that was really the the kind of primary use of AI like the mainstream vision of AI for for a good decade or so Um, I think it's trending right now again because of some things that have been made 
possible thanks to new techniques, uh, specifically machine learning, which has been a big thing over the past decade. Um, so, so Mark Zuckerberg, he said he wants to he wants to make an AI for his house, right? Like he wants to do the thing from Iron Man. Um, he made this distinction between supervised learning and unsupervised learning when he said that, and that speaks to some of these abilities. You know, the idea that a computer system can learn by itself. Um, but there have been some real breakthroughs, even in just basic supervised learning of late. So, for example, if I don't know if you've used the uh, recent Google Photos app, but the, you know the one that manages all your pictures in the cloud, um, that does some really good things through what is basically AI. Um, like, for example, you can search through your photo library without having to tag your photos or use metadata or anything because Google's machine learning technology has analyzed millions and millions and millions of pictures at the pixel level to figure out what certain things look like. And that's but it adds of... moving snow to my, to my <laughs> winter photos. Yeah, that may not quite be artificial intelligence, but it's, <laughs> it's equally cool, but maybe not as technologically impressive. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, for example, if you search for like beach, you'll get pictures of beaches because chances are there'll be, you know, a blue sky at the top, water in the middle, sand at the bottom, and a bunch of other granular parameters that Google's algorithm has studied over and over and over and over again and can ascertain as a beach. So, machine learning techniques, which are super important for AI, that's, it's starting to make a real impact in very mainstream software. So, I think that's, that's fueled a lot of interest in the field in general. And then we have things like AlphaGo, the DeepMind uh, Go beating program, which are maybe less practical to the average person, but get a ton of publicity nonetheless, because it's easy to view it as a human type AI, right? Like it's, it's something that is beating a human. Yeah. Well, let, let's hop back to, to video games for a moment, because I, I feel like there's kind of a connection here. What, what was learned or gained uh, from these, I guess, two decades of video game AI development that it would be applied today? Well, so, uh, I spoke to Demis Hassabis, who is the founder of uh, DeepMind, the, the Google company that uh, developed AlphaGo. And he, I, I, I don't know if you knew about him, you know, 15 or so years ago, but back then he was a pretty big figure in the British uh, computer games industry. He worked with Peter Molyneux at Bullfrog and Lionhead on games like Theme Park and Black and White, and he he did a bunch, he basically led the AI programming on those games. And if you think about, if you think about uh, how those games work, you know, they're sort of simulating worlds, and it's all about your impact on people and how they react to you and so on. And what Demis told me was basically that he was kind of using these games as like an excuse to like surreptitiously uh, get AI research out into the mainstream. <laughs> um, and and one, once he sort of exhausted those possibilities, he, he left and did a did a neuroscience PhD and then eventually founded DeepMind. And that's how we have AlphaGo today. Um, so, yeah, like it, it. But games make sense as a as a testbed for AI, right? Like they have they have rules, they they have winners. Uh, it's generally pretty easy to tell how well the intelligence is doing. Um, it it just if you, to bring it back to board games a bit, like chess was a big deal for AI, of course, um, especially in the '90s when IBM had a computer called Deep Blue, which beat the grandmaster Garry Kasparov. That that was viewed in those days as the kind of thing where human intuition would, you know, it, it would just prevail against the computer. And IBM proved, you know, through a variety of sort of powerful computing techniques that 
that wasn't the case. Um, but the reason that Go has been a kind of a, a long-standing target uh, after chess has been sort of beaten to an extent, like Go has been considered a target because it's just way more complicated for computers to understand. There are so many more possible positions. Like there are literally more possible board patterns in Go than there are atoms in the universe, which is like it doesn't seem possible, but that <laughs> that's just the way yeah. it is. And, and yeah, it, it's just very difficult to tell like uh, who is winning a game of Go. Um, just by looking at the board, so it, so so that's kind of why DeepMind viewed it as a challenge. But they but they the, before tackling Go, they tackled a bunch of you know Atari twenty six hundred games and so on. So just the the, the concept of a game as as a kind of uh, testbed for uh, AI research, I I think is something that's going to uh, prevail. The, Demis Asabis told me that like perhaps StarCraft might be the next frontier for this kind of. Um, research which i think is a a kind of an interesting route for it to go down yeah okay so tell me a bit more about AlphaGo, and like by that i mean what is it like is it just a software is it a game is it a specific computer that contains a piece of software yeah so it's it's software it's an ai program developed by deepmind which demos hasabis founded google bought the company about two years ago um and yeah, like the hardware is important, but not not super important. They they actually have two different versions. There's like a one that relies on distributed networks and, and a more simple one. And the difference between them and capability is kind of they've sort of got to the point of dimin- diminishing returns with hardware apparently. So it's not it, it, it's its ability is tied up in the algorithm way more than the hardware at this point. It's very much a purpose built program. It it's you know designed to sort of be good at Go, and you know that that algorithm is not really useful for other things. But um, it uses very advanced techniques to sort of get where it is. It uses deep learning and neural networks, and what this means is so it kind of it get it gets a leg up by analyzing a ton of board patterns of the game of Go. You know, like like matches from history, like pro level play, that kind of thing. And so it analyzes those, and that sort of you know taught it a, a bit about how to play. But what really makes it tick is that it reinforces its own ability by playing millions and millions of games against variants of itself. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Superman bad guy Doomsday. Like I'm kind yes. of so I'm kind of not really a comic book guy. But what I understand about Doomsday is it's like he was like born on some planet and just like died infinite times and contained the memory of each death and got infinitely more powerful because of it and eventually was strong enough to take on Superman or whatever. That's kind of how AlphaGo works. <laughs> it just, like, it, it, like, fights against itself an infinite, well, not infinite, but, you know, millions of times. And um, that's how it reinforces its own ability. And that trains its two neural networks. And what the neural networks do is help it select the best move possible. And there are two of them in particular with AlphaGo. So one of them is called the policy network and that that sort of narrows down moves to you know only the ones that are sort of likely to succeed and another one is called the value network and that that kind of evaluates uh it, it kind of looks down the line at like what the sort of potential fallout from the move is going to be and it, it it cuts down um the ones which are likely to fail so the ultimate effect is that it sort of really narrows down both the breadth of moves and the kind of quality of moves 
and and really just gives it the best chance possible at choosing the best move, and that's that's not really a human way of thinking because you know like it, it considers moves that humans never would, but um, in seeing how the game's played out, like it would choose moves that humans never would, and uh, people would be like, well that that's an obvious mistake, but then you know down the line it would turn out that it was actually a really incredible move that no human could ever have conceived of. So that's kind of how it, how the computer has sort of not only matched human play, but in some ways surpassed it. Well, let, let's talk about that experience. What is it like watching uh, a human compete against a computer like this? <laughs> it's, it's, it was super weird. Um, <laughs> so, like I said before, I was watching it on a projector because... Um, you can't go into the room, right? It would, it would be too distracting. It wasn't like Lisa Lowe was sitting opposite a computer. He was sitting opposite a guy called Aja Huang who works for DeepMind and he's, is a proficient Go player himself. Um, and so Lisa Lowe would, you know, make his move as, as he would. And then Aja Huang would wait for the computer to... He, he was sitting sort of next to a, a pretty big computer monitor and with like a, a pretty simple, you know, like not very advanced looking rendition of a game of Go next to it, and he would just look at it and wait for like the move to pop up on the screen, and then he would act it out in reality on the physical board in front of him. But what, what, lent, what lent it such a surreal air was, like obviously, um, Lee Sedol is the better player than Aja Huang, but Huang was just making these incredible moves, but just showing like literally no emotion about it at all. <laughs> just like, <laughs> And so, like... This incredible, like, legend. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I need to sort of emphasize that Lisa Dahl is a massive celebrity in South Korea. Like, this, this st- whole story was colossal news, and the eyes of the nation were on him. And he, he would see this guy who he'd never seen before just play these moves based on what a computer told him in front and just be, like, freaking out, like, mouth agape, hand to his mouth like he'd leave the room sometimes. And <laughs> it, and the guy would just have no emotion at all in front of him. So it it, it it was really surreal just to sort of watch kind of, it was almost like puppet strings, you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, I mean, do you think like the the human representing the computer takes on almost an affectation of a computer? I mean, it's that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he was um, instructed to, I, I have to imagine he was like instructed to sort of not, show any emotion right like not to uh not to betray any kind of like insight into the moves and game or whatever because 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 he because he's literally just following the computer's orders right but just just in terms of his effect on lisa lol it, it was just a very surreal kind of setup like w- one of the things that lisa lol said after each match was um that you know his skill takes him so far but like he has certain human flaws that a computer never can have, right? Like, in, in the sense that computers don't feel pressure, you know, they they don't get nervous, they don't worry about time constraints and so on. So, yeah, just just to be... Uh, they don't have an entire nation's expectations weighing down on them. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, it was... For those who don't know, the way the, the, way the match went down is that uh, AlphaGo won the first three games of five, and then Lisa won the fourth one, and then AlphaGo won the fifth. And... So by the third game, the whole series, you know, it was a foregone conclusion. Like the the mood was okay, fine. Like computers have won. That's that. But when 
Lee won the fourth game. Like, I, I mean, journalistic objectivity be damned among that room, right? Like, people just were dancing in the aisles, weeping tears of joy, like, giving wild, wild applause for him because they really viewed it as, you know, like a, a victory for humanity that, that he could strike back and just win at least one game against this sort of inscrutable alien foe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way for it to go down, really, when you think about it, right? Because I, I think losing those three games or matches really sets how how insane it is that people thought that a human could win at all. I mean, when, when you're describing this, it sounds insurmountable. Ahead of the match, the the, uh, the mood was kind of the, the computer was likely to lose. Like among, like certainly among the Go community, uh, Almost everybody I spoke to was fairly adamant that they weren't expecting AlphaGo to to win even one match, uh, even one game. Sorry, and I I wrote in my sort of preview piece for for the whole event that I think I thought that even if AlphaGo won one game of the five, it would be like a huge achievement and like a real big milestone for AI. Um, but yeah, like it just took on this melancholy tone as it became clear that, you know, like it was just far superior. So, um, but, but not only superior, but superior in a way that just we humans like didn't understand. Okay, I have, I have two more quick things. We'll get to AI in a moment. But uh, to wrap up AlphaGo, what can people expect in their, in their normal life from this tech? I, I understand that AlphaGo is designed to be great at go so maybe maybe it's nothing but are, are there lessons learned that we could possibly see in say our smartphone or something else down the line yeah so it's so DeepMind has hundreds of employees and maybe like 15 of them worked on AlphaGo right it's it's absolutely not the focus of this company's research and Demis Hasabis when I spoke to him identified sort of three kind of main areas that uh, DeepMind's research is, is likely to sort of go the maybe the most immediate one is like you said smartphones um, in the field of, you know, like smartphone assistants, like Siri, Google Now, Cortana, that kind of thing. The idea there is that what what, what we have now with those assistants is very, uh, it's very pre pre programmed, right? Like you can't you can't have an actual conversation with Siri. It's it's it, it, it breaks down very quickly if you try to kind of like go off the track of of what has been kind of like programmed in. So um, DeepMind believes that if 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 assistants like that kind of were developed on a similar principle to AlphaGo of learning where they kind of like you know they, they have a bunch of data kind of in there and it's reinforced and sort of you know bounced internally off itself it we, we could get something a lot more sort of uh, a lot less brittle and, and a lot easier to uh, use in a wider variety of situations. DeepMind is also making kind of inroads into healthcare they struck a deal with the NHS in the UK um, Right now, it's it's a very simple thing where they're just like making decent apps for them, basically. But the uh, uh, the long term idea is that they can kind of analyze a lot of conditions and sort of assist in diagnosis and that kind of thing. And maybe looking a bit further out, uh, robotics is is a kind of potential uh, route for this technology. You know, it's it, the the more human like learning we have the better and we've seen that to some extent in you know like google's experiments with self-driving cars and so on but with you know with robots when they take a sort of more learning more human-like ai approach then there could be a lot of interesting possibilities there okay uh, uh final and this is probably the most important question so i saved it for last 
I know you haven't seen the film AI, but mm. I'm going to describe the ending uh, and then give you like kind of a chance to say which you think would be the better interpretation of how it ends. Because uh, it's up for debate, even though some people who listen to the show argue that it isn't. Uh, hmm. So at the end of the film, okay? It's, uh, the, the film already takes place in the future where like uh, humanoid-like uh, robots, artificial intelligence, are walking around. Haley Joel Osment, he's the star. He's a, he's a little boy robot. Sounds great. Got it? Okay, so he is frozen under the ocean. The, the water, his, uh, all the ice caps, the polar ice caps have melted. Uh, everything is submerged. He is frozen underwater, and a, a long, spindly life form comes and recovers him. Hmm. And they, they want to learn from him, right? Now, which do you think is a more appealing interpretation of what these spindly uh, creatures are that they are aliens from outer space uh who are, are learning about humanity from a robot they are artificial intelligence who uh are learning about their their history essentially mankind has been humankind has been uh, wiped off the earth uh, maybe off everything or a hybrid human consciousness has merged with artificial intelligence shedding our our organic bodies and all of the problems that come with them, uh, and it is learning about its history as a human through uh, the the bot that it now partly also is. Which, which of those three appeals to you the most? That is a loaded question, and I suspect that you uh, prefer the, no la- the, the, the latter option. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do these guys look like? Are they are they are they organic um, at all? There's like uh, there's a famous artist who who kind of does these designs. They very thin, almost like if you took a wire and like a coat hanger wire and you tried to make a, a long human out of it, like Slenderman. Yeah, kind of Slenderman esque, but made of metal. Yeah, but like made of like. Shiny goo metal stuff. Shiny goo metal. Well, I, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I don't want to overstate it. Well, so this is on planet Earth. Yes. They, they, yeah, they are, they, are, they are visiting planet Earth. I believe they fly like a cube-like ship. Oh, but they're, they're, not, they're not from planet Earth. Well, we don't, that's, I, I, can, I can say neither here nor there on that. That's part of the question. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I would say that, uh, I mean, if they're aliens, it, AI is sort of not really a factor, right? Like, it, they, they, they could just be aliens. Um, they could be robots. They could have used uh, DeepMind's technology. They could have studied AlphaGo and uh, learned very hard sort of uh, ha- how, to, how to act in a sort of vaguely humanoid manner. Um, the robots with human consciousness thing, that, that seems a little shaky to me, but you, you described it in enough detail to make me think that it's possibly what Steven Spielberg uh, wanted to think that Stanley Kubrick was thinking. <laughs> no, oh, well, no, see, I, 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 follow, uh, I follow the number three category because I do believe that is uh, a Stanley Kubrick type of intention. Uh, right. I, I believe uh, Steven Spielberg is... The uh, it's just aliens. Oh, Which, really? So I, think... I, like why? It doesn't have any connection to the to the artificial intelligence. You know, it's just but, this but is you... something that's really bugged me for a long time. <laughs> you think Spielberg thinks it's just aliens though, and like that, taking... that is. I mean, look at what he did to uh, Indiana Jones. Of course, his solution for everything is like I don't know, aliens. No, don't... Yeah, that seems good enough. 
Don't get me started on how I think Crystal Skull is the third best Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I would agree with that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, because which, <laughs> which one's your worst one? Temple of Doom. Oh, of course. Because do you know that was made, I believe it was made after George Lucas's divorce. He was in like a really dark place. I believe he's spoken about this. And yeah, he, he was like, yeah, I was, I was in a really, really dark place and I should not have made that movie. Wow. I'm, I could be completely making this up. I, this is I, just something I remember hearing. I've never so. heard that, but I'm, I'm glad that I've met one person who agrees with me about Temple of Doom. Oh yeah, no, Temple of Doom is atrocious. Um, and also wildly offensive. Right, exactly. Uh, well, we have fun. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> me on this show today. Yeah, it was fun. And thank you all for listening. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Marino. You can find us every single week here. Uh, we release a new episode every Tuesday. You can find us on your favorite, I, I don't know, platforms. I recommend iTunes because if you go there and leave a review, it helps us uh, be seen and heard by more people. And that is always a beneficial thing. Uh, Sam, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I use the Twitter. My name is 345Triangle. Perfect. Uh, we uh, like to recommend that you, you know, go listen to uh, our podcast and leave a review. But we also like to recommend new podcasts. Uh, if you haven't listened to it already, NPR's Embedded is absolutely fantastic. And I recommend that you check it out. And uh, an oldie but a goodie, Stuff You Should Know, uh, which I think if you like what's tech you will like that uh it's very informative and that's it until next time we'll see y'all later bye